You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 253. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Hey, San, hey, San. How are you guys? Good. Oh, not bad. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Busy, busy, busy. You, yourselves? I am fantastic. I have had a haircut, so uh, that helps. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And yeah. also, also today, I got a Christmas card in my inbox, or in my real real mailbox. <laughs> It was from my friend Annika in Germany. Yay! Yay! Yes. It was great. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I beat you to it because I received it on Saturday. Oh, Saturday? <laughs> There's no Saturday. mail delivery on Saturday in Sweden since 40 uh, years back or something. It's, this, it's normally the case in Hungary as well. <laughs> uh, actually, only um, even on, on weekdays, sometimes it's a miracle that you, you receive a letter. But um, in time, you mean. <laughs> I mean, but uh, this time it was uh, because of the calendar. I think I think there was a change. And, I still uh, the Julian calendar. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Or maybe it came by owl. <laughs> it's know. it's really funny because Pontus, your card took as long as a card from here to Cologne took, <laughs> whereas <laughs> whereas a card to Frankfurt was as quick as the one to Andrash, but I'm much closer to Cologne, so it's like it's it's so There's random. No logic behind <laughs> it, no. No. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Could you track it though? <laughs> Or it's it's uh, not an option. No. Or- No, nah, nah. it, it would have been like a pro. You can, but then you just pay an arm and a leg. So yeah, no, yeah. But you working. you made our days. That's that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. With that card. <laughs> so thank you very much for that. Very welcome. <laughs> You're just a kind and lovely person with another kind and lovely person living with you and uh, starting a family with you. And yeah. uh, you guys, you guys <laughs> like, were amazing you <laughs> on those photos as well. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So what's going on in your countries? Are we out of this uh, pandemic situation yet? Well, Germany will go back into lockdown. No more like shutdown. It's not really a lockdown, but uh, because we can still leave the house. They're closing a lot of shops and uh, schools are actually closed. Like I was really impressed by that because everybody said like, oh, we will do everything before we we close schools. But they actually close schools. And yeah. What about big markets? Big markets coming up to Christmas. Well, they didn't allow that from the start, the Christmas markets. Yeah. Yeah. What they did was like a Glühwein to go. <laughs> yeah. Which is like a mild, hot wine, spiced wine. But yeah, the politicians noticed or like also police noticed that there were still a lot of people around like waiting for the for the Glühwein. And uh, yeah, they said like, hey, are you stupid? We don't want crowds. That's why we don't have Christmas markets. So yeah, exactly. They also, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it was now. interesting to see Angela Merkel giving a, a speech about that and she got quite emotional yes. about the whole thing. I think what led to that, I think, was that he, she received quite harsh criticism over it, wasn't, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, that she she really sounded like a worried mother. Yeah. She said, like, if uh, we have to be strict now because science yeah. is almost begging us to be strict and we won't have a nice Christmas if we know that it will be the last Christmas with our grandparents yeah. Yeah, or with exactly. the grandparents. And yeah, it was pretty emotional. Like I have to say um, that was pretty, pretty touching. Also even interesting because 
you can even see in the protocols that there were like some people actually laughing about this emotional speech from COVID denier parties, so to say. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, it, it just shows again how, how tense the whole situation is. Right. Yeah, but she made a very good point. I mean, I remember uh, her saying something along the lines of uh, it cannot be worth having parties outside and enjoying ourselves if the price that we pay for that is hundreds of people dying per day. Yeah, because yeah. we had so, 600 deaths right now per day. Right. It should, it should be a no-brainer to everyone. Yeah, especially like I've got friends who are uh, working in hospitals and they say, mm -hmm. well, your party is making my job worse and worse and worse every day. Your enjoyment outside Christmas shopping or whatever exactly. is like, making exactly. the situation worse and is, is uh, on the neck of these people who work there and mm. obviously on those who are infected too. Yeah, but to come to something else from Germany, there was... Could something positive. Maybe. Okay. Well, so-called alternative medicine and also conspiracy theories got a bit of a public uh, eye <laughs> from German TV because the public science uh, show Galileo had a special about conspiracy theories uh, related to COVID. Mm -hmm. So that was good. And the popular fictional crime show Soko Stuttgart had a crime victim eating whole bottle of globally like homeopathy and then oh. he died <laughs> oh my god but apparently it wasn't he was a diabetic globally. that's why no it wasn't it wasn't the homeopathy it was acted out. Put, it was it was oh all it was yeah. fake homeopathy no no somebody put a poison actually in there but <laughs> oh okay okay but Good. yeah Whew. I, th I think it was. I thought it was spreading real bad news. It's no, interesting. No, no. <laughs> it's interesting that you talk about TV and uh, things going on there with uh, conspiracy theories because there's a TV series on public Swedish television right now. Uh, they haven't sent, I think, all the parts yet, but it is about uh, vaccine deniers, anti-vaxxers, mm -hmm. and uh, so they're getting. Uh, They're getting a little bit criticism because they give these anti-vaxxers quite a lot of room, mm -hmm. screen presence, really, mm. which uh, could be dangerous. And if you don't debunk them hard enough and quickly enough, maybe it, it, some people have also um, warned about the backfire effect uh, and things like that. I, I'm not so sure about this and I haven't seen all of it. And there's one episode still uh, to be aired, so I will come back when, when I've seen all of them. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah. That reminds me of something something very cool that happened to me last week. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was all, almost a year ago or, or even more than that. But we were producing with a couple of people from the Hungarian skeptics, including Gabor Roshko, my friend and the previous president of the Hungarian skeptics. We were producing videos for the, Hunga the new Hungarian school curriculum. Mm. as an extracurricular kind of science and critical thinking education videos. And we produced nine videos, but right after we finished producing them, the office that were, was responsible for it got completely turned upside down and the, the leaders and the project leaders were fired and the, 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 whole, the whole thing was really turned inside out. We were absolutely positive that it was thrown away and it was not going to be published along with the new curriculum. 
the new curriculum is based on uh, web pages, a series of web pages where everything about the curriculum is available online to everyone. Hmm. So that means that they are they are using those for different subjects at school. But I was contacted l- last week by someone I don't even know. He congratulated me about one of these videos. <laughs> it turns out that they did publish them. Wow. So it's all online now. It's all part of the national curriculum now. Ooh, great <laughs> news. But the only problem is that only four out of those nine videos were published. I, I don't know why that is, but it's still a positive thing that we didn't produce them for the drawer, because that was the worry. Yeah. And uh, one of the videos is about anti-vaccination. Ah. So it's even good for our educational work on uh, on why vaccination is important. Great. And well, the other uh, one good is... Good news uh, anyway. Yeah. It, yeah, it is good some news. Some of it's and going to be used anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was that was really funny. There's some guy completely unknown to me contacted me and congratulated me on the video and said that <laughs> that oh you should you should be doing this for a living. I said yeah I I would <laughs> if I could, but uh, yeah thank you very much. Yeah that's cool. Yeah yeah, so I'm very happy about that. Uh, and we're going to be using those as well, of course, with the Hungarian skeptics. <laughs> Just a funny thing came to my mind as well. Did you hear the news about um, an Austrian town being renamed? Yes. Yes. yes, yes, I heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> the original name was how do you how do you say it, Annika? Fucking? It would be fucking, yeah. <laughs> fucking. Does it mean anything? No. In German, like of course, everybody who ever had any immaturity regarding English um, <laughs> in German would or Germany would know, uh, like would find this very funny. But <laughs> but no, it doesn't mean. I don't think it. Like it probably has some meaning uh, yeah. that's like like Franconian or whatever, like historical meaning. But yeah, not really. <laughs> but isn't this something that shows the power of internet bullying? That yes. a, a complete town has to rename itself to Fugging instead of Fucking because everyone's laughing at them. <laughs> yes. it, it's just ridiculous. Come on. Yeah, apparently they got their uh, like their traffic signs stolen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. And imagine how many how many selfies have been taken there. Yeah, but it's it's actually like it's a bit sad because if I would have lived there. I would have maybe just collected some money and and invested and made a thing out of that because you can make a thing out of that. Yeah, uh, producing uh, <laughs> signs, if yeah. nothing else, yeah. that would be a great business. <laughs> so, are you suggesting that uh, leadership of the municipality that it just took themselves too seriously, or or got offended for nothing, or? I, I mean, it's probably it, it is probably a hassle, especially if you don't don't want to be connected to that. Like, I can understand both sides, but it's also like, well, it would have been worth it to think about it, like just embracing the cult, so to say, yeah. and yeah. making something out of but it. But it, it could be a problem, I guess, if you send yes. official letters and stuff, and people yes. don't take it seriously because they <laughs> the think people it's a fucking. <laughs> yeah, so I can I can see both uh, sides there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. Apparently, that means that fucking doesn't exist anymore. Well, too bad. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a loss for the for the humanity as a whole. Uh, but <laughs> we still have titting in. Did you see what I did so. there as a whole? Uh, yeah. A whole. <laughs> well, yeah, but as I said, we still have titting in in Bavaria. So 
Ditting. Oh, okay. Okay, okay yeah. that's next. Okay. So we, we still have a lot of uh, good uh, country uh, village names. So. Good then. Okay, so on that very funny and positive note, I think it's time for us to start the regular part of the show. Uh, the first of which will be when we find out whose birthday we celebrate this week. Yeah, I found something that's also very positive and happy. Okay. Yeah. On the 15th of December, 14 years ago, the Hungarian Skeptic Society has been founded. Woo! Yeah. Woo-woo! Happy birthday! (laughs) Cheers! And just to give our listeners a bit of an overview, there has been um, activity since 1995, um, skeptical activity, and ties to the Hungarian Academy of Science. But in 2006, they got together formally and founded the Hungarian Skeptic Society. Or how, how would you pronounce it in Hungarian, Andras? Hungarian Skeptic Society. Oh, uh, Skeptikus Társaság. Yeah, that's uh, what we, we don't We don't call it Hungarian in Hungarian. We just call it uh, Skeptic Society. Yeah. So it's uh, Skeptikus Társaság. Okay. Yeah. I won't co- I won't repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and they founded the Hungarian Skeptic Society with nineteen participants at the conference of Hungarian Skeptics in I also can't pronounce that, but I think it's your town. That's correct. Uh, however, I have to correct that because the Hungarian Skeptic Society was not founded in Székesfehérvár. It was founded in ah, Budapest. Okay. But the Hungarian Skeptic Movement was founded in, in Székesfehérvár, basically, because those gatherings that are still going on to this day, about a month ago, it was our 26th. It was this time, it was online, but it was the 26th of the, oh. the gathering of Hungarian yeah. Skeptics. Yeah. There you go, listeners. <laughs> yeah, and in 2007, they also joined EXO. And yeah, I was thinking very hard of maybe contact, contacting the current president of this marvelous organization um, to let him say a few birthday <laughs> wishes himself. But I heard he's a very busy man. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So have I. I I've, I've heard he's so crazy. Yeah. He's he's an idiot. But um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you say that after having been the president for how many weeks? Couple, a couple. couple of weeks. <laughs> You're still not tired. Almost of the- coming up to a month. Coming up to a month now. Yeah. Actually, we did. We just gave a joint interview uh, with Gabor. So, just for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> I didn't call anyone else an idiot. It was myself that yeah. I called an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> which I can do anytime I want without any repercussions. Yes, uh, I am the current president. Gabor Rashko is the former president. And we today gave a joint interview on one of the Hungarian uh, radio channels. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and it was cool. Sounds really good. Gabor is a fun- fantastic guy. I, I feel really honored to so, be So was he the steps. first and only previous president? No. There were having no, others. He was well. the second, I think. Mm-hmm. The first one was uh, Istvan Vago, who's, uh, who's a very famous television personality. Or was he? I mean, he was a very famous television personality, but I, I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, the weird thing about this is that I was there. I was among those 19 being the original members. Making history. I was such a young guy. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we are celebrating this week. So happy mm-hmm. birthday, Hungarian Skeptic Society. Thank you. Next year, we're coming uh, up with a couple of uh, new ideas. Your countries both have very famous uh, prices, the positive and negative prices as well. 
you you have Pontus, you have the confounder of the year. Yes. <laughs> and also the enlightener of the year for the positive The enlightener side. of the year, yeah. Mm-hmm. So And uh, we're going to be talking later about uh, one of the German prizes, right? O- Austrian, yeah, Matt, yeah. Oh, sorry, Austrian. Yeah, Austrian, Germanic. that is. Uh, <laughs> German Germanic, speaking. yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, the wheels are turning now. So I managed to start the process of launching a prize by the Hungarian skeptics. At the beginning of the year, we're going to be announcing that and uh, we're going to be Ooh, uh, good. making a, a big thing out of it. That's cool. Yeah. We'll be for a party after COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, why I wanted to mention that is because this is one of the reasons why networking internationally is very important. Because you can gather all the knowledge, all the information about what's going on in other countries, what other people have already tried and you could use. And I think this is a very clear ex- example of that being a beneficial thing. Mm. Yeah. So thank you very much to everyone who, who were kind enough to share it, share their experiences with us. Thank you very much, Annika. You're welcome. And moving on to something else. Pontus, have we or have you found something to poke the Pope for this week? I have done my research, but I decided that there was nothing too exciting to talk about. So I think we'll skip the poking this week. Okay. That means that we are moving on to the news, uh, starting with... A little bit of a COVID-19 update. Guys, it looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It's a train coming. (laughs) It's a train coming. Yeah, so (laughs) don't step out on a light, please. (laughs) Well, there are still questions. There are still issues, uh, logistical, scientific, and other questions. But it looks like the first countries are rolling out the vaccine. So it's uh, Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID vaccine. It was rolled out in the UK on the 8th of December. So the first people have have already been immunized with the COVID vaccine. This is an mRNA vaccine. I don't know if you're aware of what that means. The mRNA is in a lipid packaging. (laughs) It is being administered into the body and it goes into the, the cells telling the cells to produce the spike proteins of the virus. That means that the spike proteins don't come from an actual virus, but they are produced by the the, the cells themselves, but only the spike protein, which means that it's more than enough to trigger the immune system to generate the antibodies, but it cannot actually make you sick with a virus. I mean, when it kickstarts the immune system, that means that you will probably experience some of the symptoms because most of the symptoms come from the immune system doing its job it won't be as severe and when the actual virus comes and attacks you your immune system will be ready yeah yeah and i love science i have to say like i love science so much for this yes. it's so good <laughs> we should mention also that the spike protein in itself is perfectly harmless it is yeah yeah it's just there for the immune system can then recognize that here comes something that we don't like yeah but it's it's yeah. harmless yeah originally it's not designed for that it's designed for uh for the virus being able to catch on the surface of the of the cell yeah. so the receptors will receive that and if they recognize each other then they say okay come on come on in that should not ha- not be happening but that also triggers the immune system yeah and when we say design we mean that it was designed by bill gates 
<laughs> yes, yes. I originally uh, meant God, but yes. Um, <laughs> How about both? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so now already that day, the 8th of December, has an actual specific name by now. It's called V-Day. Oh. So the vaccine, <laughs> vaccine day. The UK approved it on an emergency basis and um, more countries will be following in, in the footsteps. I don't know by the time this goes out, it might already have happened. Uh, but of course, following these very good news, there are lots of fake news and false claims on the rise as well. So let's uh, get the serious and actual real stuff out of the way. There have been a couple of allergic reactions uh, that are being uh, investigated as of now. So uh, Pfizer and BioNTech are working with British uh, health authorities to find out if there was a connection or what caused the allergic reactions. But as a precaution, they told workers in the system not to allow people with serious allergic issues coming to and, and getting the vaccination. So that is a precaution. And that shows you how the system works and how the system is for everyone's safety. So if something like this happens, the necessary precautions and measures will be taken. This doesn't doesn't mean that uh, a lot of uh, craziness cannot spread and make rounds. One of them is, which is one of my favorites, is that the mRNA vaccines. So not only Pfizer's vaccine is an mRNA vaccine, but also Moderna is rolling out its vaccine, which is based on the same uh, principle or a very similar principle. The mRNA vaccines, according to some, cause an alteration of your DNA. Yeah, how should that work? Yeah, uh... Well, it should not work. It's, it, there is no real good mechanism for that to work in the first place. Uh, but then <laughs> that doesn't stop people who have no clue of what's going on yeah. uh, with uh, mRNA, RNA, DNA. They, yeah. they confuse the two in the first place. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing is what they say. Obviously, that's not true. Uh, the other thing is that uh, the, some people claim that a vaccine spike protein causes an immune response against a placental protein. And the basis for that, in some people's minds, is that there are very short sequences within the overall sequence of the protein. So the, the protein consists of amino acids, a sequence of amino acids, and that sequence will determine the secondary, the tertiary and uh, structure, and it, it, it can be built up to a um, quaternary structure. But after a certain number of amino acids, you cannot avoid having short sequences that are the same. So it's... Yeah. It's not rocket science. You, you you can understand it very easily. If it's a combination of 20 amino acids, you will quite likely come up with a couple of solutions that are similar. But experts, they do say that the spike protein and this placental protein are not similar enough for the immune system to confuse them. But the claim is out there. So that is to feed the anti-vax people and the anti-vax sentiment, unfortunately. Uh, what other things are there? There are a couple of things, like they say that there is a polyethylene glycol in the, the Pfizer vaccine. That is true, but some people claim, but that is without any evidence that 70% of the people develop antibodies against that. That that will definitely mean that it will start a, a very severe reaction. 
But where that 70% comes from, not even full fact could find the original source of that. <laughs> so it somehow just appeared somewhere and started spreading. Yeah. Yeah. So those are only a couple of things about the the new vaccine and i'm pretty sure that um in the in the long run there will be many many more coming up basically rendering the this this issue the uptake of the vaccine harder and harder to keep up poor bill gates right like yeah so poor bill so gates, he's gonna lose yeah. a lot of money <laughs> and how how can we get the lizard people chip inside our bodies if people yeah. are not willing to take the vaccine if they're so smart and see our dark plans. <laughs> By the way, the Hungarian government has started the pre-registration process for the vaccine, the immunization of its citizens. The problem is that the Hungarian government does not tell us what vaccine they're going to be using. So it could be the Russian vaccine. Uh. <laughs> oh, or it could be the Chinese vaccine. <laughs> Sputnik. Yes, and we don't know <laughs> how that turns out by the way vodka drinking vodka is not a, not that big a thing here but apparently you, sh- you should not be consuming vodka a couple of weeks before and a couple of weeks after you took the first shot uh, i mean not vodka shot but uh the <laughs> vaccine <laughs> jab so interesting interesting it seems like this is a serious announcement that was made by russian authorities and but the thing is that the mechanism, so I've had a couple of discussions with uh, with people, immunologists as well, and they, they have no clue why that might be the case. Even if, if it's recommended not that, that you don't take alcohol or don't consume alcohol while having the vaccination, weeks before and weeks after that, that is just... <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. That's probably something they sneaked in because they want to get people a little bit more sober. Has nothing to do with the vaccine. Or the other thing could be is if it's for Russians. Well, good luck telling a Russian person not to drink vodka for weeks. And if the vaccine doesn't work, they can blame it all on people consuming vodka. Aha. Yeah. Right? That could be. That could be. Yeah, you shouldn't have consumed that much vodka. That's that's Damn. the issue. That's why it doesn't work. So, sorry, sorry. We told you. We told you. Uh, but uh, one other thing that I want to mention in the COVID update segment, and that is a very serious issue, and that is that the WHO has expressed uh, their concern about immunization against other things, including polio and measles, because of the pandemic. And in some countries the uptake has fallen by as much as 50%. Wow. Which is just terrible, especially mm-hmm. now that the, the WHO is attempting to eradicate polio. And they have announced already that most of the continents are polio-free. But if this is the case, it could easily, easily turn back. Mm. So we should be focusing on that as well. The WHO is now focusing on, on it. Mm. on solving this yeah. issue and getting back to vaccination schedules. Mm. Yeah, I actually had my whole my whole family checking their vaccine status. <laughs> good, good, good. Just like, I yeah, have... 
For several I reasons. have registered. <laughs> I have registered for the COVID vaccine here, even though I have no idea what I would be vaccinated with. <laughs> but I'm just hoping that it, obviously they cannot force you to to get vaccinated. But if you're registered, then that means that you're much higher up on the, in the line. Mm. But there, there was an online survey on a, on a TV channel a couple of days ago. Like twelve thousand people responded. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it was like eighty percent saying no. Wow, that is quite quite concerning. But yeah. it's hard with, with online surveys. You can yes. you have to take it with a, a grain of salt because yes. people do their best to sabotage it and it motivates some people more than other to vote. And so you don't. And know. yeah, and the other thing is that it has some. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with the government as well and the distrust towards the government because it was on an opposition TV channel. Oh. Yeah, it could could be that. Another thing about the COVID on COVID-19, four of the most important leaders of the COVID denier movement here in Hungary have been started to be questioned by authorities and the police specifically. They've been visited by the police and um, taken in for um, investigation. They are being charged for uh, spreading misinformation, dangerously misleading misinformation about the pandemic. And uh, this is a thing that has been criticized uh, by the opposition for a long, long time about the government's approach to this uh, pandemic situation. And I, you probably remember that I've talked about this uh, being used against critics of the government. But the problem is with these guys is that they're not specifically criticizing the government for their actions and or, or inactions for that matter. But instead, they are denying the whole situation they are denying that the pandemic exists and uh, they claim that it's a made up completely blown out of proportion kind of thing mm. and uh, even though they are still claiming that even though hungary is being hit very hard by the pandemic as of now and that is just ridiculous but once you you went down that road obviously you cannot back up so that means that you have to dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And it looks like they are ultimately being challenged by the authorities for that. But what the out the, the final outcome of that will be is still to be seen. So, yeah. All right. So before I completely bring down the mood, <laughs> I think it's time for us to go through the other news that are slightly or not at all related to COVID-19. All very related. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I worked with the question of if the vaccine approval in the UK was quicker because of Brexit. Oh. And that's, of course, very related to, <laughs> to COVID. I can't believe that Brexit has sped anything up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, nothing goes faster <laughs> with Brexit, so it can't yeah. be that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> let's come back to <laughs> to the actual story because there are several people and uh, among them uh, the health uh, secretary Matt Hancock who claimed that the UK could approve the covid vaccine more quickly because of the Brexit. Mm -hmm. Others who claimed that were the leader of the House of Commons, the health minister or the uh, member of parliament Michael Fabricant. So yeah, a lot of people claimed this and Full fact was actually able to debunk that claim because they say the human medicine regulations of 2012 already made a certain regulation called Regulation 174, 
in 2012, which meant that since then, the UK's Medicine and Healthcare Product Regulation Agency, <laughs> so the, the people who approve medications, remedies and vaccines, they have been free for the last eight years to do so, uh, to give a temporary approval. And as this regulation was part of an EU agreement, the vaccine even has been approved under EU law. So nothing to do with Brexit. You don't need to like, <laughs> pat yourself on the back for being awesome at doing the Brexit. It yeah, wasn't because of did, that. Like right. that was that was BS. <laughs> okay. Just like the whole Brexit thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it was actually an EU regulation that let them do this. So yeah. even with, without EU, you could argue they couldn't have done it. So yeah, what has the EU done for us? Yeah. <laughs> Except for the aqueducts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll stay on uh, COVID-19 pandemic topic a little bit more. There's no question that the pandemic has brought a lot of scam, as uh, uh, Edsard Ernst put it, so-called complementary medicine. There was a uh, search done already in July that cross-referenced research papers concerning Alternative treatments combining that with COVID-19 and it came up with almost 300 hits on published research articles that actually contained 327 different scams, which is more scams than there were papers, which is interesting. <laughs> but Edsard Ernst looked into that and, and, and he looked at how they had combined the whole things together and the absolute most common group of treatments was... Uh, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. So that was where the most of the research had gone into. But it was followed by vitamin D, melatonin, phytochemicals, general herbal medicine, vitamin C, acupuncture, and Ayurveda, and other things as well. And in a way, I can say it's not strange that you look into this, because in the situation we were in and still are in, why don't you want to think of everything that may, might help the situation? If you don't have a vaccine, you look into everything else. But then you have to think about plausibility too. If none of these treatments have ever been shown to work against anything, why would it work against COVID? Mm -hmm. And of course, when I say it hasn't been shown to work, I can back that up because if it had shown efficacy against anything, it would not be alternative anymore. So, <laughs> so if it's alternative, it means nobody has found any use for it before. Otherwise, it would be medicine, right? <laughs> yeah, otherwise, it would be medicine, like Tim Menchin says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was the situation in July. But uh, Edward Ernst wanted to check what had happened since then. So he, he did a new search. It was on the 12th of December. And he did a little different uh, classification and he found that herbal medicine took the lead. And I'm guessing he put most of the TCM in there because it's mostly about herbs anyway. And then he, uh, and then there was the second most uh, common one was dietary supplements. Then it was acupuncture, homeopathy, chiropractic and naturopathy. Again, look at plausibility. Why would sticking needles into people or giving them sugar pills help against COVID? <laughs> or chiropractic? I mean, how, how the hell would that work? <laughs> we massage the virus out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, right. By crack, cracking your vertebrae. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> crack your vertebrae so, so that the COVID virus dies. I don't see how it could work. It's afraid and runs you. away. <laughs> yeah. If you kill the host, 
the, the virus will not not be yeah. successful either. Yes, so. you take away its natural habitat, and then uh, yes, that's right. That's right. right. Well, but I that, wouldn't call it a habitat. It's it's not a living thing. But yeah, yeah, all right. But that's not all, because Edsard Ernst also found clear statements in the papers about how these quacks are thinking, and they're actually happy about the pandemic seeing it as an opportunity for their nonsense. One quote was, and I kid you not, it said in the paper, quote, if the homeopathy community fails to take advantage of this rare opportunity, it might wait another century for the next major pandemic. End quote. So they're waiting for the pandemic just to justify their nonsense bullshit cures that doesn't cure anything. So what they're interested in is not about people's health or curing people. They're interested in selling homeopathy because this was specifically, yes, about homeopathy. So the cure is more important than the problem. And that tells you a lot about how these guys are thinking. Yeah, definitely. And it's not even the cure that is more important. It's the product that yeah. is more yeah. important. Yeah. Because right. it's not a cure. It is yeah. not a cure. Yeah. I was being generous, <laughs> calling it a yeah. cure. Yeah, it's not were. a cure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But it's just it's just you being a nice person. And yeah. um, Pontus, you said that herbs are like on the number one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just wanted to add something to that. And that is that herbs can sometimes work, but not necessarily against what you want them to work against. Um, <laughs> like... For example, me obviously doing some research in in regards of giving birth, <laughs> as mm-hmm, like yeah. all listeners already know. It's like there are herbs that that people say, like, oh yeah, just take them, uh, whatever. It will just give you like an easier birth and so on. But if you actually do research, they can be like super harmful. They can make you like hemorrhage and everything. So yeah. because they like herbs sometimes do have an effect, but not the effect you want, and that's just something. We yeah. always have to be skeptical. And you about, don't like, know don't, how, how yeah. much you have to take yeah. because exactly. one plant can have more of a substance than the other. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's impossible to, do, to have a, the right dose, even if yeah. it was working. Exactly. Lots so, like, of active don't ingredients. Take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lots of active ingredients in medicinal products come from herbs. That's a normal thing to assume that uh, herbs can be actually beneficial for you. But exactly what you, what you guys have said. The other thing is that if you know what you're doing, that's a different thing. I know a guy who runs a blog about herbal medicine, but he knows his stuff. He's a university teacher a pharmacology teacher and he knows about all the ingredients and they are doing research into what you can find in different herbal products and different different herbs that's a different approach but just by taking something just because you've heard it somewhere and you saw it on facebook it should not be the case and yeah some of these blogs and some of these young mother uh, forums they are the worst super spreaders of this non this kind of nonsense. Yeah. yeah. I think you already said that, Annika, but you should really look into and see all the bullshit that you will be or already are subject to just because <laughs> oh. you are that demographic. Now, young yes. women yeah. giving birth first time, you will get all kinds of bullshit. Yeah, I already got you. offered like so many things. <laughs> so you should document like, it and make a list. Yeah, we could I should, make I should... we could make a, a segment out of it. Mm. Yeah, like <laughs> you can you can have like a column, <laughs> right? Young mum uh, woo woo of the week. <laughs> right, I think it would <laughs> absolutely be amazing. <laughs> this time, Ember beats. <laughs> right, don't even start with that. No. All right. 
So let's let's focus on something much more fun. You must have heard that uh, there are aliens among us. Yep. And uh, there <laughs> is called. apparently there is evidence <laughs> this time. A little bit of an anecdotal one, and uh, it builds on uh, the argument from authority as well, because why lots of news outlets uh, decided to trust this opinion is because it comes from a high-ranking official of the Israel Defense Force, of former brigadier general of uh, the Defense Forces of Israel, by the name. Chaim Eshed. I, I don't know if I pronounced his name well, but I tried my best. So, what happened? This guy, mm-hmm. who was leading the security section of the Israeli military, uh, defense forces, the space security section, that is, uh, for 30 years. Obviously, for th- the space security section, it's not the same thing as the Israel Space Agency, which exists it, it It is there, but it's a scientific body. But this one is a military body. Obviously, it was dealing with things uh, regarding their, their issues with Iran, the different uh, threats that could be identified towards Israel. Under the administration of this guy, they really worked up the surveillance of Iran uh, with satellites as well. So he knew his stuff when it comes to military approach. However, now he's coming out with a book, basically about him, not written by him, because it's, uh, it's the, the book is titled The Universe Beyond the Horizon, Conversations with Professor Haim Eshed. <laughs> it was published in November, so it might be, what I'm going to say is, it might be a publicity stunt only. You will decide, uh, <laughs> or you can decide yourself. But the guy said that there are aliens walking among us and the Israeli and United States governments have been in contact with them, and uh, they belong to the Galactic Federation. And they've been monitoring Earth, they've been running experiments on Earth and on Mars, under the surface of Mars, obviously, out of the sight of, uh, or out of the, the radars of uh, all the, the spacecraft and uh, the probes that are, are orbiting Mars. And uh, he says that uh, they've decided that we're not ready yet. And uh, (laughs) this is why they're not revealing themselves. But they are still with us and they live on Earth and on Mars, along with humans. So they are doing the the experience on Mars with humans as well. So there are humans on the Martian bases. And they're not called Mark Watney. (laughs) (laughs) No, they are not. They're not. Yeah, I've seen a lot of potatoes there for some reason. Why, why could that be? They have these secret underground potato fields on Mars. Yes. Yeah. And there was an, an interview on uh, the Israeli national newspaper Yediot Acharonot. I don't know how, how to say that. Sorry about that. But um, it was obviously in Hebrew. But it got translated into English by and published by the Jerusalem Post and picked up by everything. So if you start typing the name Haim Eshed, you will see all the different uh, news outlets uh, reporting on this interview and, and his claims, his weird, widely weird claims. Some news outlets contacted uh, authorities and government bodies NASA did respond and uh, they stated that, uh, well, unfortunately, we haven't found evidence to alien life 
as of yet of extraterrestrial life. Obviously, NASA was referring to SETI, mostly, I think, because that is a scientific approach to mm. all this. But the problem is that some, like the, the Pentagon, they decided not to comment. And that always adds fuel to the already existing fire. Yeah. The other thing, and I think that might be the most important argument against the factfulness of uh, Eshed's claims. And that is that he stated that current US president Donald Trump has also been aware of these aliens living on Earth. (laughs) But uh, because they decided not to reveal themselves as of now, they told him to step back and not reveal this secret, this very, very important secret. Now... I think that destroys the whole thing because it's unimaginable for Donald Trump to know about something this huge, huge, and not tweeting, and not tweeting it from the toilet. It's like it's non-existent. It definitely cannot be done. So uh, it would be much more, much easier to hide a, a base on Mars than to do that with Donald Trump. Yeah, but I almost wondered if. They, the aliens now have said, we don't want you to reveal this because it's too early, etc. Why did he write a book about it? Yes, that's why interesting. Did they, why that's did they allow thing. him to write this book? Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was this guy, Isaac Ben Israel, uh, who's uh, the current chairman of, of the, the Israeli space agency. And he was very kind and very generous with him. He said that his former achievements are still great and uh, we should not doubt that he's a serious person that was all about all, all, all what he said but I think it was very generous so this guy might he could be a lunatic he's not young so he was born in, ni- in 1933 that means that uh, he's he's more than uh, 80 87 years old so <laughs> that is that is quite a high quite an old age I'm not saying that an old person cannot be sane, but it could be that, or it could have something to do with his book coming out. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've had a little bit of a discussion of uh, whether this is uh, European enough, this news item, uh, for us to run. My argument was that uh, Israel is part of the WHO Europe region. Yes, so. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I was... But well, on the we other also, hand, we also have common, like mutual, we have mutual history, right? So That's right. That's right. So. And and uh, the other thing is that uh, it's been all over the news, all over the place, all over Europe as well. I even went on TV as the, the leader of the Hungarian skeptics to comment on this. Uh, they asked me, asked me to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's just too big news to not mention. <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I've got other big news. Um, <laughs> oh, big. Okay. Because, Good segue. <laughs> because there are a lot of um, fellow symbols in Germany, um, funnily enough. It's a bit weird because... You don't, um, we don't have to be a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> but they're yeah, huge. So huh? I, just, I just say, there was a wooden sculpture of a certain... Um, Ah. genital speak of, <laughs> speak of getting a woody yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has gone missing and it, it it went missing sadly in southern germany hate it when that happens yeah yeah 
just <laughs> like three meter thing and it's just gone. So, um, <laughs> yeah, police well. is investigating right now. Um, but as the sculpture also appeared unbidden a few years ago, they don't know if a crime actually has been committed or not when somebody stole it or when it disappeared. <laughs> Well, then also someone's it's, it's, someone must ha- must be having a, a very weird way of walking right now <laughs> <laughs> probably uh. <laughs> yes yeah but now an almost similar sculpture appeared it's it's new it's freshly carved and it's slightly larger of course mm-hmm. yeah but this one just turned um up where the other one was <laughs> is it bigger it's a bit bigger yeah okay <laughs> They have it's to support it with, with wooden beams, actually. According to some. <laughs> and, yeah, and of course, we had our own uh, monolith, which can be also maybe called a phallus symbol if you want so. But it's definitely something that you can call like a decentralized art piece in, around mm. the world. I, I didn't say we had by accident because there was one in Sulzbach, which is a central, in central Germany, but it got destroyed. So destroyed, destroyed. Yeah, yeah. they could only find debris and like rests of it on a on a trash dump. Got destroyed by God's own thunder. Probably, probably, yeah, probably. Hubris. So yeah, yeah, a lot of phallic symbols uh, turning up and vanishing in Germany. (laughs) Wow, what do you think of this latest craze of uh, the so-called monoliths? Yeah, I I think there's probably a lot of copycats now because it yes. gets yes. some publicity everybody wants to do the same thing if and it will probably die out after a while i think with the first one it was a very nice reference i think that the guys who erected that might have uh, might have been well versed in uh, science science fiction mm. oh by the way i just i just remembered what uh, our quote will be <laughs> on this episode uh connected to that uh, reference but my issue with this whole thing is that they keep calling them monoliths and most of them are not made of one piece in the first place which is why you would call something a mono yeah <laughs> and a lith refers to something made out of stone and neither of these <laughs> was made out of stone. So a monolith is something, a big stone. So a monolith <laughs> is like something that you find in Stonehenge. That's a monolith. Large, big chunk of stone. So they should call it like an obelisk also. Yeah. Or just a pole. Dick. <laughs> just big call, dick. A, call it a large dick. Yes, that's yeah. right. All right. <laughs> okay, let, let's move on to something uh, quite different. How Go much you how it? much are you familiar with so-called weighted blankets? You heard of them? Yeah, I heard of them. There are a lot of people who are they are to keep your dick them. down. <laughs> it could could <laughs> work like that, but that's not the primary if it's uh, a three meter selling thing. point. <laughs> okay. No. That no. No, no, no. This is just what came to mind. Yeah. Sorry. But the, the, those are no. The one I'm talking of, the ones I'm talking about are normal sleeping blankets if you will, but with extra weight sewn into them and for some reason that's said to improve your sleeping which in turn could improve concentration issues and other problems that comes from not sleeping very well and i see them advertised all the time and have had for for a couple of years i believe And, and sleeping well is of course important and there are many potential problems with poor sleep or insomnia but the the issue that i'm going to talk about after more than a decade there's very little evidence, if any, that these weighted blankets actually work. 
and they're quite expensive. It's not unusual with a price tag of, of like 800 euros for one blanket. Uh, why, why would they cost that? It's still just... I mean, they're not made of precious materials. No. I, I, I don't know what yeah. they put in them, but it's just fashionable. I don't know what it is. The Swedish healthcare regions on their side have actually bought into this quite literally. And uh, they have, over the last 10 years, invested, or not invested, they spent 28 million euros on these things. Wow. To help patients or to to subsidize people with sleeping problems, etc. And finally now, I had no idea that they did this, but finally now the news is that they have decided that they will stop doing that because they have realized that nothing is actually... There's nothing, no scientific evidence but that it actually works at all. Just to clarify, does that mean that they have spent taxpayers' money yes. on that? Yes, I have. That is ridiculous. Yes. Wow. It's so bad. Yeah. And, and up, up, up until recently, you could, I think, apply or get it as a sort of a prescription. If you had a sleeping problem, your your doctor could... Either if it sub- was subsidized if you, or if you got it for free, but it was subsidized with the tax money and you could get one of these uh, things. Thankfully, that's now over because wow. you would think after 10 years there would be some evidence that it works <laughs> or not. And why would you spend money on this anyway before you have that evidence? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, not 28 million. <laughs> Craziness. Wow. It is indeed. Talking about craziness, some people have to put up with a lot of craziness when they are trying to communicate science and uh, just do their job as leaders on their fields, uh, on their uh, respective scientific fields. But while communicating it, they can occasionally come across some uh, really hard opposition, even hardships. That is the case with uh, some of the former awardees of uh, the John Maddox Prize, among uh, whom we can list uh, people like Professor Edzard Ernst or uh, Brit Mary Hermes. Those guys are re- have really been fighting to get the message out there. It's an international recognition offered jointly by Sense About Science, the UK charity, probably one of the greatest charities that we can list out there, and uh, the scientific journal Nature. So they award this prize every year, and it's been going on for nine years now. And uh, this time, this year, they they received 100 nominations from 34 different countries. Wow. I think uh, one of the reasons why they choose someone is that if they they are a very high profile person, they are much more likely to get it because it's it's a it's an important message that they get this kind of support from the scientific community, and it's probably why it's the the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases of the United States, Anthony Fauci is one who who got uh, received the the award the other person is Salim S Abdul Karim who is a science advocate and um he has worked in uh, the Center for AIDS program of research in South Africa that is an, another important thing where a lot of opposition can be, your act, actions can be met with a lot of opposition if you think about just how much the opposition can be fueled by wrong messages bad messages of the church so that's a big thing in africa actually but there is another prize um there is an early career prize as well 
And that went to Associate Professor Anne Abbott, a neurologist from the Central Clinical School at Monash, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, for her perseverance in challenging traditional medical treatment of carotid stenosis, which can lead to strokes as well. So uh, they, these are the awardees. And the interesting th- thing about this is that the announcement was made public on the day of our recording. So this is fresh out of the presses. The problem is that by the time this goes out, it will be old news. But uh, <laughs> who Still knows? worth there, mentioning, there, yeah. It is definitely worth mentioning. Not much of a European angle there, but uh, nature is based in the UK and uh, Sense About Science is based in the UK as well, which sure. we still consider Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Until 1st of January. No, no, nah, I think we will consider Europe. the UK yeah. Europe, just not Europe after, after that as well. <laughs> Especially uh, since we considered Israel Europe, uh, I think the, <laughs> UK, right. the UK is much. <laughs> well, the UK shares the Middle Ages with us. So I would say it's still Europe, no matter how much they don't want to be that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, I've got another award. They announced uh, their finalists now. Mm-hmm. So not the winners yet, but the finalists. And one of these uh, guys will receive the Goldene Brett Award on the 15th of December. So we will keep you updated next episode who that was. And the finalists... Um, that are named are Michael Balwig, who founded the Querdenker uh, movement. I don't know if you guys know who what the Querdenker movement is. Enlighten us, please. Yes. <laughs> so the Querdenker are a COVID-denying group or movement. Um, they're protesting against pandemic protective procedures. Uh, and the group is also full of conspiracy believers. And they're doing all these, like they are the people who are doing all these demonstrations that um, I think Pontus also already mentioned uh, in re- the really wrong section mm. once mm. or twice. <laughs> um, the second one is Sukharit Bhakti. He's a medical doctor who doesn't believe in the effectiveness of masks or in the second wave. and he's like the one that is always put in front of a camera uh, and everybody's like see see (laughs) even (laughs) hungarian covid deniers cite him all the time yeah we 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 should mention by now that this is an ironic prize right for for people who are doing something stupid yeah Yeah. goldenes brett means uh, like in in german if you're um if you're a bit stupid you can have a brett form kopf like a piece of piece of wood in front of your head and the goldene brett uh form kopf means you have a golden piece of wood in front of your head because you're so dense <laughs> so is uh, t- tell me about that thing so it's it's uh it's it's not specifically austrian it, it's it's also a german thing yeah that, like uh, yeah so germans can where does it be, come from it comes from the austrian skeptics um okay and but um, I mean uh, the the expression itself and this, this uh, the expression uh, this itself kind of uh, the expression itself th- is is pretty German yeah I can look it up I can look <laughs> the etymology of that up and and come All back right. to you third one that I want to mention the, the last finalist uh, is Attila Hildmann who is a vegan chef but also a COVID denier and pretty yeah popular COVID denier at that um, he's talking all the time about the vaccines of Bill Gates and a COVID dictatorship. And uh, yeah, he's just he's just like swimming in the craziness of, of the whole situation. <laughs> Looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these are the finalists and we will tell you next week who actually won. <laughs> oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. I have a follow-up about a Swedish influencer that we've talked about before. I've talked about before back in uh, episode 215, which was in March, and also in June in episode 227. She is called Katrin Sytomierska, which is a Polish name, but she is Swedish. And she has a company called Clean Eating. And at the start of the pandemic, Clean Eating was quickly launching a small bottle of fish oil, people may remember I mentioned this, for 40 euro each, which should be compared to normal fish oil. Uh, It would (laughs) cost like 10 euros, but very overpriced and... Also on the website that sold this thing, she's selling all kinds of supplements and stuff. It said that it, quote unquote, would boost the immune system and also implying very clearly that it would be good against COVID. And then she was on Instagram, of course, promoting it as well. In June, the Swedish authorities struck down on her and said, you have to stop this, temporarily at least, stop this uh, nonsense uh, advertising while we investigate and now they have actually filed their judgment and said that no you are not allowed to say this anymore and she hasn't since june but if you do it again we will fine you about 150,000 euro uh, because this breaks the rules of uh, swedish advertising now if you go on her website it says because she had to put that on a quote this product is not intended to treat, cure, prevent, or diagnose any disease, end quote. And for some reason, the price is no longer 40 euros. It is <laughs> 20 euros. It, and, and also, there are other problems with her website, with the supplements she's selling. And she's been um, told to, to fix a lot of things, among other... Th- for instance, some supplements says, free from palm oil quote-unquote, on it, on products that has nothing to do with palm oil. (laughs) They say it's just misleading because nobody would expect palm oil to be in that product. So why do you put that on? You would be surprised how many products contain palm oil. It's ridiculous. That's right. It's ridiculous. That's right. But in this case, uh, it was obvious that it wouldn't. And I've heard about other, you know, you you can buy... This is not her, just to, to be clear, but I've heard about salt that are GMO free. Which is <laughs> yes, yes, of course too. it's GMO free. It doesn't contain any organic material at all. <laughs> so why would you put that on there? So it's misleading. But apparently in Sweden you can get struck down for for being misleading in that way, and that I guess is good news. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I just want to add the um, etymology of Brett vom Kopf. <laughs> yeah. All right. Apparently, that comes down to um, our beloved Middle Ages, <laughs> because they used um, oxen for for uh, everything back then for plowing, pretty much, um, mm. and uh, yeah, for everything, but also for plowing. And they usually put a board in front of their heads for them to actually tug the plow or pull the plow. And oxen always were like the symbol for stupidity, for being a bit slow. That's apparently where it comes from. Okay. So, so if you get this price, slow. you are stupid as an ox, but also golden, and you have a board. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Makes sense, okay. I guess. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. All right. And to finish on something very, very positive, I think it's time for us to mention something uh, that comes out of Spain. 
And that is a new series of videos by, well, apparently they are um, enjoy the support of the Society for the Advancement of Critical Thinking, ARPSAPC, but they seem to be completely independent from them. The channel, the video channel is being run by a, a website called uppers.es, and uh, the series is called Scientist in the Supermarket. And what they do is uh, there is uh, this uh, guy by the name uh, Jose Lopez Nicolas, he kind of demystifies products that you find on the shelves of supermarkets that promise to give you something extra uh, on the packaging and they are basically bogus so the guy dissects it and uh, certain products and tells it how it is the first video is very nicely linked to the COVID-19 situation as well. Obviously, focusing on products that uh, offer uh, some kind of benefit for your immune system to boost your immune system in the fight against the COVID-19. Examples are listed as uh, propolis, royal jelly and echinacea, which are basically, yeah, they they might be good for something, but uh, there is no evidence that they are good for coronavirus. So just don't take it for that. So, well done. And that basically has been all the news that we wanted to share with our listeners. So we are moving on to finding out who's been really wrong lately. New tough restrictions are being announced in the EU at the moment and indeed all over the world. Of course, we understand why. This bloody virus is everywhere and we need to minimize the spread, which is worse than ever. I'm not against restrictions at all. Uh, it's, it's a necessary measure. There is apparently, though, one curious exception for where this virus can spread. It's actually sensational. And I don't know why it hasn't been getting more attention. We should bring back Randy's million-dollar prize for this paranormal phenomena because it seems to be accepted by everyone uh, and proven that religion is somehow a secret weapon against the pandemic. At least if you look at the restrictions being applied. I, I haven't checked into all countries in the EU because it was actually, it's actually hard to find <laughs> the, the actual <laughs> government regulations, if you, especially if you don't speak the language. But everywhere I did check or managed to find the restrictions, they all have exceptions on religious grounds. Mm-hmm. So it must work. Religion works <laughs> against the virus. <laughs> Yeah, let, it does. Let, Definitely. It has to. It must be if, you, if, you, if, if this is right. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Annika, but in Germany, they are now closing shops, or certain yeah. shops anyway, hairdressers, daycare centers, most of the schools, uh, even fireworks for New Year's for some reason, but not religious services. Yeah, and it's like, it's so crazy to, like, it could be that, for example, Scotty can't be present at the birth. At the same time, people can, like, meet up in 50, 60, 70 uh, numbers and, like, sit around and pray and whatever. It's just, yeah, very hard to see. (laughs) I found there were some restrictions also for church. There's no singing in church now, and you need to wear a mask. But otherwise, the services continue as before, I think. And in the UK, as far as I can make out, there are some limitations on the number of people who can attend weddings and funerals, but communal worship is allowed in any church, quote, as long as it can safely be held within the restrictions, end quote. So what exactly does that mean? That's very fluffy, I think. 
And of course, between the 23rd and the 27th of December, there's an exception for sermons. And then it seems all bets are off uh, on those, those dates in, in the UK. I looked into Denmark. Public gatherings are limited to 10 people, except in church, where you can be up to 500 persons. Well. Fuck that. No. In France, bars, restaurants, uh, cinemas, theatres, museums and gyms remain closed, but churches are open for up to 30 people at a time. In Sweden, which, if you should believe this, is one of the most secular countries in the world, there is a limit of maximum eight people to be gathering inside or outside, except for religious sermons, where it's, al- uh, it's allowed 20 people. <laughs> <laughs> And and speaking of Sweden, here's one blatant discrimination against atheists. As I said, there's an exception for religious gatherings of up to 20 people, and that includes funerals, but explicitly only religious funerals, not for secular ones. Wow. Even if you do it in a church, which you can do, you can have a secular funeral in a church because of that's of convenience. That's often the case. But then the eight people rule applies again. Are religious people sadder than atheists when they have lost someone? Do they need more people around them than, than atheists do? But I guess we cynical infidels are different in that respect. <laughs> Andras, do you know what's the situation in in Hungary? Do you know are there religious uh, exemptions? Actually, I I th- I'm afraid I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that um, I don't think that uh, religious masses are considered mass gatherings. <laughs> so uh, so <laughs> okay, so you do it one by one. <laughs> That's a different kind no, of mass. No, that I but heard. I think is they they fall under a different consideration. Yeah. So like I don't know gathering. of any restrictions. Yeah, I d- I don't know of any re- restrictions regarding those religious sermons. The thing is that the government announced that uh, with regards to the Christmas sermon, what is it called? Is it a mass? A mass? Christmas it's mass. A mass. Mm. The Christmas mass. Uh, regarding the Christmas Mass, they will make a decision on the 21st of December. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that the decision will be that you can go and attend the Christmas Mass because it's it, it would be weird from this government to not do that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fucking crazy because it doesn't matter Jeez. why you meet. The, the, the virus yeah. doesn't care. It spreads no matter how much Jesus or Muhammad or Buddha or Shiva you have in you. Uh, j- just look at the Darwin Award candidates that you talked about, Andras, last... Oh, two weeks ago it was. It was in yeah. Serbia about corpse kissing and yeah, spoon and Greece, licking yes. and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. die of the virus just like anybody else. So yeah. why, exactly. why is that so fucking hard to understand? And I have another example of religious exemptions to COVID policy. In Sweden, there is, or had always been for reasons that I don't agree with, but there's <laughs> been a special annual contribution of tax money towards religious organizations, a financial support. Uh, and last year, in 2019, it was about 7 mil- million euro. This year, the Swedish government increased that by two and a half million euro due to the pandemic. And last week they decided to add another two and a half million euro 
uh, for next year due to the COVID uh, crisis. So that means that this subsidy of, of religious organizations has almost doubled from 2019 to 2021. Oh. Wow. <laughs> and like, for what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I They're don't not know. even the ones who are really for suffering in this nothing. pandemic. <laughs> no, I, they live on... I mean, the smaller communities, uh, the religious communities, they live on gifts and membership fees, etc. I don't think that has changed so much. Yeah due to the pandemic it's like if you as a state want to support somebody who is suffering then maybe support like either the people who work in a hospital or like restaurant owners who are really struggling right now and so on right it's just like why support people who don't or like organizations who don't really even need it yeah people in sweden are moving very fast away from using cash in any circumstance so it's not like they are collecting a lot of cash in their uh, church meetings anymore. It's all about uh, something called Swish, which is, I think it's only a Swedish service, but it's an electronic. It's actually very practical. You just send money to the other guys or to a mobile phone number. So you don't have to know anything about account numbers, etc. You just swish it over. It's pretty pretty neat. So even <laughs> collections are doing that way. It's being done that way a lot of the time. So I, I don't know why this is. And and this, of course, works well from home. I mean, if you sit at Zoom, you can swish your money over if you want to, like you would if you were in a church. But you would probably even give more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Because people can see what you're actually putting in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough about this. But for making religious exceptions and, and allowances that help spreading the, the pandemic by allowing people to gather more, and it actually dis discriminates against people with a secular worldview, all governments who do this get today's prize for being really wrong. Yep. Another well-deserved. A lot of receivers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of receivers. Well, Speaking about uh, religious organizations, I don't think they are very happy that they have to uh, share the price. Um, <laughs> I just can't, cannot imagine that. Okay, so that means that uh, we are about to conclude the show, which cannot be done without a quote. And as I already mentioned... This week, we uh, have a quote from Arthur C. Clarke, the British science and science fiction writer, explorer and TV host, who happened to be the, or the author of 2001 A Space Odyssey, in which we saw a big pile on the moon. And I'm pretty sure that that was the one that uh, gave the idea to, to whoever place that so-called monolith in the middle of the u.s <laughs> somewhere so i i really hope that that was the inspiration the quote is as our own species is in the process of proving one cannot have superior science and inferior morals the combination is unstable and self-destroying mm. that's right yeah. we have to learn to live with what we've achieved <laughs> <laughs> Seems we're living in it right now. <laughs> yes, yes, I think we're living it quite clearly. So, before we go, I just have one more thing to do. On the last episode, I promised that I would look up the expression <laughs> stay tuned in Italian. 
Hey, hey. <ride> right, go ahead. Allora, uh, si dice restate sintonizzati. Mm. Sintonizzati? Is, sintonizzati. Yes, 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 it's plural. Oh. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it has to be a plural in male if you don't know who the... Uh, or I don't know the, the, the gender distribution <laughs> okay you usually Good. use the male one is it um, the same like in Spanish where it's like if it's 50 women and one man then you have to address the whole audience in man in male well I don't know specific if it's specifically that strict but uh, but usually if you don't know the distribution you use the male the male, the male uh, uh, plural yeah okay so for next week you'll have to do it in Spanish No, I cannot do it in Spanish. I'm I'm preparing for my my interview with a uh, uh, radio cheekup, as you can hear. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be conducted in English with an Italian accent, but it's it's going to be in Italian. That would be funny. <laughs> but I'm I'm really I'm really getting psyched up about it. So I'd like to thank both of you, Annika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. And also, thank you. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and per uh, per essere sintonizzati. And until next week, goodbye. Cheers. Hello. Vislat. Arrivederci. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe <laughs> The chip monkey, yeah, okay. You yeah. gave me the idea, Pontus. <laughs> you inspired him. More monkey business. Topics and interviews with people... With people... <laughs> <laughs> with people with some people. of us some of us are people all right <laughs> some are shipmunks shipmunks and they consume oh, froze yeah fuck what's going on andras you we have lost you looks like a shipmunk <laughs> a little bit hey oh, here we go fuck <laughs> fuck 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 you know what what my router does it or my computer does it keeps changing the routers Oh, While no. I'm on the call. Hey, now we froze again. In the Hello. last minutes too, like <laughs> he couldn't answer the question, so he bailed out and he pressed <laughs> his panic button. Hello. Andros. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. We don't have to redo the whole thing. <laughs>